everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen problems in their home. This is Melanie Hempy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you are joining us today. If you are one of our regular listeners, welcome back. And if you are a new friend, we are so glad you found us. Thank the person who told you about this podcast. Today, I'm going to share just a few questions from our Facebook group. I thought I would jump on here. We've had so much activity in there and so many incredible questions. But before I get started, I wanted to just share this little story with you. So I was recently prepping for a speaking event. And when I get ready to do this, generally I speak with the people who obviously are hosting it. So the gentleman called me who was arranging this event. He had gotten my name from a number of people in his community and was very excited about having me come, but I didn't know him personally. So he was calling to get to know me a little bit because he was um, kind of in charge of it. And and we were going to be doing some tag teaching together. When we got on the phone, I immediately noticed that he was acting just a little strange on the phone. He was um, a little standoffish, I guess. Something was bugging him. And, you know, he was asking me some questions and we were talking about the logistics. But you know how it is when you're when you're talking to somebody and in person, it's a little bit easier to pick up because you can read their body language. But on the phone, you can still kind of tell, okay, there's something that he's hesitating and I couldn't figure out what it was. I said, you know, is everything okay? Are are you good with the outline that I just shared and whatnot? And I probed a little bit trying to figure out what it was. And then he blurted it out. He said, I am so scared that you are going to tell everyone to throw their laptops in the lake. <laughs> I was just like, oh my goodness. That is a scary thought. <laughs> I agree. I would be scared too. I said, please, oh my my word, no, this is not what our message is. And I assured him that I was not going to tell the audience to throw all of their laptops in the nearest lake. Although I will have to admit, the reason why I'm kind of chuckling over this is because sometimes that's exactly what I wanted to do when we were struggling so much with screen problems in our house that seemed to be like the best solution. But anyway, he was so worried. And I just want to talk to you just a second before we get started about this, because it really makes me sad when people ask that question or they reveal this kind of fear. I know why they're thinking this. It's because they have not met me yet, or they just haven't had enough time to dive into the research on our site to see exactly what Screen Strong is all about. But it points to an overall cultural tendency to assume the extreme and react when you hear something that's a lot different from what the culture is telling you. So I think the reason why people say things like this, and you probably have friends in your community they hear about Screen Strong or they hear that you're doing Screen Strong, that you're trying to do the Screen Strong lifestyle, and they say the same thing. Well, what are you going to do? Throw all your screens away? And of course, that that's not what you're going to do. This reaction is what keeps us from making good decisions, though, for our kids. So we have to be careful when we hear these reactions, and we can't be fearful of these reactions. We just have to know that they just 
don't understand yet what the Screen Strong Lifestyle is all about. The ability to step back and self-reflect is the hardest thing to do in life. So as you go through your Screen Strong journey, you will need to handle this fear from others because it is a fear. This gentleman was very fearful that I was going to sort of freak out the audience. He he was, like I said, overreacting and jumping to this extreme that this is what our message was about. And, you know, like I said, the people, people and peers that you meet on your Screen Strong journey will jump to these same conclusions. So I just wanted to touch on that a bit today. And just to clear that up and to be clear, Screen Strong is not about removing all screens any more than a good diet is about removing all of your food. We don't believe that. We don't believe that all screens, of course, are bad. But we are also not about changing the science just because we want a break from our kids or we need a screen babysitter or our kids are begging us or all our friends are getting their kids' phones. We can't change the science just to fit our world either. And while we're talking about this, let me just address another call that I had. This one was two weeks ago. And it was from the founder of another organization. And I had never met this gal before. And the first thing that came out of her mouth after we did all our little intro, she said, well, I'll just be super upfront with you. She said, we are not a fear-based organization. And I thought, oh, were were you accusing us of being a fear-based? I said, I agree. We are not either. And then she paused and she said, But by eliminating these certain screens, you're doing that out of fear. I said, oh, absolutely not. We don't want parents to react out of fear. In fact, we know that facts replace fear, which is why we focus on the facts. I said, Screen Strong is nothing about being fearful. And she doesn't listen. And she was quite taken back. I think this was another situation and another example of how People can just jump to these conclusions and, again, take this extreme position. The fact is, interactive toxic screens like video games, social media, pornography, those are the three things we talk about here a lot, are hurting our kids. We are not fearful about this. We are not overreacting. It is a fact. It is not only a fact when you look at child development science through the years, but also all the current studies that are coming out about this. We know that these types of screen activities are making our kids more anxious and depressed. So this is not a fear statement. It is a fact. We also know that the solution is very simple. We need to remove those types of screens and that type of digital food from our kids' diet especially when they're young. We're not removing all the food. We are not scared of the food. (laughs) We are just saying, you know, there's certain things that our kids are allergic to right now and certain foods that are making our kids sick. So guess what? If your child was allergic to peanuts, you would not have peanuts in your house. That's how you have to look at this. The screen strong lifestyle is about making good and healthy screen choices. This lifestyle is not about running from screens that are ugly. That's not what it's about. It means we logically 
are making really good choices and decisions based off what we know, based on the science, based on the research, based on all the experiments that have been done on this generation, the results aren't turning out so well. So does it mean that we remove all screens? Of course, it doesn't mean that. But it also doesn't mean that we keep all screen uses either. We don't balance all screen use. We balance good screen use, just like we balance good food. It's never a good idea to binge on anything, right? So it's it's not good to binge on good food either. Like you can't just eat broccoli for every meal. So when we talk about balance and when the culture at large looks at this issue, they are the ones that seem to be so fearful about the solution. Oh no, oh no, you're, you're telling me to take all my screens away. No, we're not. We never have and we never will. But we will also not tell you it's okay to balance all screens. It is never good to balance the bad things in our life. We just don't want to do the bad things in our life. We want to do what we can to keep the negative and the toxic things out of our life. Will it be perfect? Of course it won't be perfect. Will your kids play video games at a friend's house? Of course they will. Will they have to have their screens in in school? And will they get distracted? And will they get off doing other things? Yes, they will. There will be toxic stuff that happens to them. And ScreenStrong is just going to help you with a lifestyle that will just keep that at bay. So today I'm going to spend a few minutes on just a handful of topics and questions um, from our Facebook group, because I, I think we should do this this more. There are so many good topics that come up in there and I don't always have time to bring a speaker in for every single topic. So just for a few minutes a day, I'm going to share a couple things, three or four things that I just pulled up here. So the first topic from our Facebook group, we are getting a lot of questions about school screens as we should. (laughs) This is a big question, how to balance school screens and entertainment screens and and parents are torn also between using screens for a babysitter while they are home working and their kids are trying to do online school. Even some kids are still trying to do that. So let's just talk a minute about that. Let's talk a little bit about school work on a screen, whether it's at school or at home. We've gotten comments and some of them go like this. I need to use the screen time as a babysitter while I work. I cannot wait till my kids go to bed before I do my work. I have to make money. Of course you do. I had no choice but to give my kids screens during COVID because I had to keep them entertained while I was working at home. All of these type of questions that are coming in, my heart goes out to each and every person that is trying to figure this out because our kids have to do their homework on their screens. And yet we're trying to do a detox or we're trying to balance it all. First, I would just want to say that we always have a choice. So let me just say, let me just make a comment real quick about what your kids are doing while you're working. It's easy to think that we can put an educational screen in front of them and say, well, they can do their math or they can read this history or they can do something here while I'm working. And I'm just going to tell you that it's the reason why we're getting these questions in our group is because it's really hard. 
it's super hard for kids of all ages, I'm talking zero to 18, to manage that time on a screen without some help. It's just really hard because it's all very, very distracting. So the overall problem with using screens as a babysitter is that you can't co-view what they're doing if you're working, which I agree, you got to work. I agree, you got to get into your work mode, get into your office, grab your laptop and go get your stuff done. So what in the world are your kids going to do? I understand that. And we can think that, well, we're going to put some entertainment stuff on or they're going to do their homework or whatever. And and it's just hard. And if you're homeschooling, you know that it's even harder because you've got to plan this whole day. And it's such a temptation to just put them on a screen. But again, the problem is that you're not there to manage it. Even if the screens are educational, they are easily distracting. They might can do their math for 10 minutes, but then they're just going to be so distracted and want to check that YouTube video and want to check their social media, their group me's or whatever. It's just really hard. It's hard for you. It's hard for me. It's hard for me when I'm working. If my phone buzzes, I want to look and see who's texting me. And then I get off track from what I was doing. So it's really hard for kids to stay focused. If you are there to help them, then it's a lot easier. But if you're working, it's harder. So here's a couple tips that I'm just going to give you for these parents that are making comments. And really, for there's so many of us out there that are trying to do this or trying to work at home. And they're trying to still be screen strong. These are just a few things that I think might, might help you. Remember, first of all, all screens are not bad right? So it's not that all the screen time is bad. What what I will also say with this, um, there are certain things that while you're working during the day that would be fine for you to put on, like a DVD, for example. You could put a DVD on, I, I don't know, one of, the, one of the vintage shows. And a lot of parents have told me that this really works, whether it's the Andy Griffith show or an episode of Little House on the Prairie or something that you know, isn't going to have commercials. This is why the DVDs are good. Just a little tip, by the way. I know that we all have smart TVs and I know we can stream everything, but a smart TV is just like a big computer and your child can click over it all kind of apps. So think about, just think about digging out that DVD player and um, going to Goodwill and finding some DVDs or, you know, just getting a few series, if you can think about that. So while you are intensely having to do a Zoom call with your work or do something else with your work, you can pop in a DVD. It's okay. I'm not saying this is like your choice that you do this eight hours a day, of course. (laughs) Of course, you don't want to do that. But for an emergency situation, a DVD is always better than just giving them the remote or giving them the computer to just uh, go around and try to figure out some kind of entertainment. The next tip is that it's really important to figure out what special activities you can uh, organize for those situations. And what I mean by that is for children who need to have a little more direction um, and you need to go do a work meeting, you can have a special Lego project, special art project, special dolls, a special puzzle, something depending on the age of your kids that is only brought out for those emergencies. And it doesn't have to be a screen. I know I just mentioned the DVDs and that's fine, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a screen. It is possible to actually work from home 
and not have your kids glued to entertainment screens all the time. I know this, we did this all through COVID and we do it now, even when I'm having to do different things and kids are at home, we don't, we don't just plug them in. We have certain things. And when your kids are younger, this works really well. As they get older, they're able to go outside, ride their bike, ride their longboard, go get some friends. They're able to organize this a little bit better, but it's super important for you to set this up. But what this means is you have to be very diligent about this. And so when you're done, when that hour is over, then you collect that thing and then they say, oh, no, 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 I don't want you to take my special Legos away. And you say, yes, yes, yes. We're going to put it up till the next time we need it. And it's this anticipation that when mom is really busy or dad is really busy, that we're going to pull these things out and it's going to be like new again. And I know this is nothing new for those of y'all who have been raising kids for a while, that um, it's that novelty and it's that newness that helps get their attention. So the other thing, the other tip is to literally schedule your block of time where you're working. If you have to work for three hours, let's say, you're going to take a three-hour block of time in the morning. And instead of giving your kids some kind of, I don't know, educational screen time, because educational screen time after 15 minutes morphs into entertainment screen time. It's too hard for them to manage. Remember, that's why you're not doing that. Um, what you will do is schedule their time. So, and, and, I'm, and I mean that you write it down literally hour by hour. So, or 30 minutes by 30 minutes. So you are wanting to create order and not confusion in your house. And so you say for the first 30 minutes, you're going to do this or maybe it's 45 minutes. I have learned from talking with many families and even doing this in our own house that when your kids are really little, it, it's really good as you're working from home, it's really good for you to give them something to do for 30 or 40, 45 minutes. And then you take a 10 minute break, you go sit with them, you you spend time with them face to face, you read them a quick story, you build a Lego thing with them. You, you pour into them for 15 minutes and then you say, okay, honey, now here's the next thing you're going to do for the next 45 minutes. I want you to do this, this workbook or draw or do this maze or do this puzzle. And then I'll be back. And then you do that. It kind of like fills their tank and this works really well. It works even for middle school kids that you give them time in their room. You, you have this certain um, quiet time, I guess you can call it while you're working, but it's very organized and, and it's a schedule. This is super important and it really, really works. You don't have to have video games to do this. You do not have to have social media. They do not need to be on the wild, wild west by themselves, you know, out in the internet, the wild, wild west of the internet. They do not need blocks of time to do that alone. So those are just some tips to help if you've got to work, you're trying to do maybe a detox from entertainment screens like, um, you know, or interactive screens like we were talking about, video games and social media and all that, and yet you're still trying to get your work done. The next topic is actually the screens in the school, okay? So what we just talked about is kind of how you don't have to always do educational screen time <laughs> as a babysitter that you can do other things. So, and so the next thing I want to talk about is screen use during the school day on the school campus. First of all, I just want to say that there, there's not a lot that we can do to convince every school system that their students don't need to be 
on screens for eight hours, right? Every school system has their own feeling about this. While there are some schools that are no tech, they do not use technology, especially in the very you know lower grades from one to say grade eight or something that's not that uncommon to find a school that just is on paper, which is fabulous, especially for that age group. Most schools are going to have some kind of technology. The thing that is the kick here that is so frustrating for me is that they hand out Chromebooks, they hand out laptops, they tell kids it's okay to bring their phones. And and instead of just using them for a few certain times during the day when they're really needed, kids just have them on their body, right? For the whole eight hours. So we we already know that's just a really bad idea. Um, even if your school is very much into screens and screen education, which is fine. I do know, of course, there's certain really good uses of that. No student needs to be on it for eight hours. So that's where the rub comes in. And because, let me just say right up front here, because your kids are on screens for eight hours during the school day, they really don't need to be on their screens when they get home. They've already far exceeded the recommendations from the American Academy of Pediatrics, from all the science, all the research, all the psychiatrists out there that are saying, no, 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 eight hours is way too much. So that's the first point that you have to keep in the back of your mind. And th- this is just a fact, okay? This is a fact. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is a fact. So that's the first fact that you have to understand is if they are binging, so to speak, or getting an overuse of screens during the school day, then when they get home, that cannot be the next thing they need to do. But it will be the thing that they want to do because that's what they've done all day. So they want to keep keep it up and keep all this time going on their screen. And that's where it's going to be hard for you. I remember going to my oldest son's school when he was in high school, and that was in quite a number of years ago. And I remember walking down the hall so vividly. This is just like one of those memories that it just made such an impact on me that I I still like remember everything about this scene. I know the human brain is, they tell us, you know, we're not very good at remembering things, but you know what? I really remember this really well. So I was walking down the hallway and this was the first time that this issue of screens in school really hit me hard. I was walking down the hallway in the high school and all these kids, it was a break, I guess, or, you know, maybe it was lunchtime. It was around the middle of the day and not everybody was in classes. And And I walked down the hall and all these boys were sitting with their backs against the cinder block walls, you know, and they were all sitting with their laptops in their lap and they were playing Call of Duty. It was the most bizarre thing. I thought, you know, we're at school. Does anybody see this? Does anybody care? Is this supposed to be happening? Like, can't, how in the world can this be happening? We're sending our kids to school and they're playing video games. I remember when that was just such a shock to me, but, but today this is just really normal. I mean, it's, it's still shocking, but it's maybe not normal. It's just more common because now every child does have a laptop. So they're, they're at school and, and why wouldn't they play Fortnite? Why wouldn't they start playing a video game And this is why it's so frustrating when some teachers use entertainment screens as a babysitter, even in the class, or they use it as a reward. And they say, if you finish your homework, then you can play Fortnite. So if you were a kid, what would you do? You would rush through your homework. You'd be so motivated to just click, click, click and get done with whatever that assignment was so you could get straight to Fortnite because you're at school and you get to play Fortnite. That just doesn't even make any sense. But this is 
happening. So a lot of you are voicing this concern in the Facebook group, and I absolutely am there with you. I sympathize with you. I I feel your pain. It is so frustrating, and you feel like there is just nothing you can do about it. But there are a couple things that you can do. First of all, you're not crazy. Gaming is not for school. It should never be in school. It should never be part of school. It should never be a reward in school for doing homework. And if people are trying to tell you that your kids are going to somehow learn some kind of something on a video game, just that's just not, it's just not true. It's just not true. They need to be learning math and English and history. They don't need to be playing video games. And that's a whole nother topic to discuss it. We have had people on and experts on our podcast to talk about how gamifying learning is not really a proven thing. Learning is hard and learning is lonely and we have to get our kid our kids over that hump. So first of all, you're not crazy. Gaming is not supposed to be happening in school. But for school day screens, you can only control what you can do under your roof for the most part. So also keep that in mind. Do not beat yourself up. Do not get defeated over this one. If your child has to go to a school where they're issued a Chromebook, it is what it is. I understand. I'm not throwing the towel in and don't get me wrong. I don't want you to be fearful about that. And I don't want you to be overly stressed about it. But what I do recommend is that you have a face-to-face with the child's teacher. Now, a lot of a lot of people want to go to the administration and make all these changes, and that's fine too. And we've had Officer Gomez come on and he talked about that. And I think it's really good to do that. And it's really good to be very passionate about that. But first, what I want you to do is have a face-to-face with your child's teacher. If they have multiple teachers, then you have multiple face-to-faces <laughs> with multiple teachers. And you you don't do this in a way that you're 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 coming in there to be the crazy over-controlling parent. That's not what it is. You just want to say, hey, look, I want to have a quick meeting with you. I feel like that my child learns better on paper. My child learns better when they are not distracted by the screen all day. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. I know how hard this is. I cannot imagine. I just can't imagine having a whole classroom full of kids on Chromebooks. My heart goes out to you. What can I do? What can we do to partner together to help this work better, especially for my child? What part of the day does the Chromebook really need to come out? And, you know, when you start breaking it down with the teacher, I think that you'll come up with some pretty good solutions together. I have personally done this and it really, really works. They're just people. They're just human. They, they want to do the best thing. And if they know that you care, they will think maybe about some things that they're doing. We actually have some material on this that we will be making available in our forum on our website when that opens up. I'm so excited because we're going to be able to put a bunch of other content in there for you, but we have some tips for teachers and just, they're, they're not negative. They're just really positive things that they can do to not use the Chromebook every minute of the day and not use the Chromebook as a babysitter, not use a Chromebook as a reward, just pull it out only when necessary. And if your child is really struggling, it is really important for them to make an exception for your child. And what you do when you're talking to a teacher, you say, for the next month, can we do this? Or until Christmas, can we do this? Can we just try it? Just do your best. But most of all, I just don't want you to be defeated over this issue. What happens at school, 
I, I, it's just really hard for us to control. So, but I want you though, to think about how you can really get stronger at home. And of course, the other thing you've heard me talk about this before, that they need to get textbooks. You need to go online and just order some textbooks. You can get them used. You can do what you can to talk to the teacher. I've done this as well. And it's just been fabulous for me to work with the teacher and say, hey, can he have the math textbook? I know that you've got the digital version, but it'd be better for us if we had the, the paper version. The other thing is to read a lot as a family. I know we hear this all the time and we can get desensitized to this tip, but I want you to get um, passionate about this again, because when your kids come home, we got to get them off those school screens as much as possible. I know they have to maybe do their homework on their screen and turn it in and they have to do whatever, but you've got to co-view with them. You've got to keep the screens on your kitchen table when you're making dinner so you can see the back of your kid's head and the front of their screen. Remember, don't ever be looking at the back of a screen. You need to see the back of their head and the front of the screen so you can see what they're doing. Most homework does not take that long to do, um, but it will get drug out over and over if they are distracted. There are a couple other tips that we do in our house. We do read a lot. I always have a book with me. Even in the kitchen when they're doing their homework, I have my books that I'm reading and I have a pencil and I'm underlining things. So reading is a big part of our culture and a big value in our home. We get the physical newspaper. So there's newspaper print literally on the kitchen table. They love to pick that up. That is a good distraction. Um, when they're done with their homework, they can pick up the paper. They don't have to stay on their screen. And we're big on closing those laptop lids the minute they're done with their homework. Also get magazine subscriptions for your kids. Magazines are really fun to have in, in the den, on the kitchen table, in their bedrooms. It just gives them another go-to activity. So the next topic about the struggles that y'all are having over not having a phone, not having a smartphone in school due to school sports and activities. So this topic does come up a lot. I do get a lot of emails about this and, and they sound kind of like this, like this is from one of the emails. So friends are making plans to go hang out at the mall after school, which is a few blocks from school. And they're all contacting their parents during school hours using their smartphones to ask permission. My daughter doesn't have a phone, so it's... She's had no way to contact me and she's missing out on these mall excursions. Let me just start with that. So first of all, of course, she can get a talk text phone, right? She can still call you. She doesn't have to have a smartphone to call you and ask permission. Can she go to the mall after school? The second thing, you know, since all her friends have phones, she can ask to borrow one of their phones seriously. I know some of y'all say, oh, I think that's really weird. If my kid doesn't have a phone, then why should she borrow somebody else's phone? Well, we, we actually did this and we would have our kids, you know, ask a teacher, hey, can I borrow your phone? I need to tell my mom something. Or they go to the school phone in the office after school when they've made plans to do something with their friends. And you've heard me talk about this before. This is a really, really good life skill for them to walk in and ask the gal at the front desk, can I use the phone to call home? And no one has ever told me that the gal at the front desk has ever told their child that, no, you can't use the phone. <laughs> so anyway, um, there's always a phone is what I'm saying. The other thing about this hanging out, you know, you know, at the mall after school, what I would highly encourage your child to do is to make plans ahead of time for this. So the night before they call their friends, they even the day before at school, they say, hey, how about if tomorrow we decide to go have this outing after school? This creates 
a perfect opportunity for your child to develop that executive function skill of planning ahead. Planning ahead is one of the hardest executive function skills. It is something that even some adults are not good at yet. So this is a perfect time. One of the problems with having a smartphone is it takes away that practice of being able to really plan ahead because we can instantly ask our friends stuff on the phone and instantly say, oh, let's all go here. Let's do that. And while that is kind of fun and that's what teenagers like to do, it takes away that ability of thinking ahead and planning ahead. And so use this as a, a teaching platform to say, I would love, honey, for you to be able to go to the mall with your friends after school, but why don't y'all talk about it at lunch today? It's Wednesday. Why don't we plan to do this on Thursday? And you get your your friends to do that. I, I think that is such a better option. But again, a talk text phone is fine. Of course, the Gab phone, we recommend the Gab phone. We don't recommend too many other phones because they are so distracting with so many apps, even though they're saying they're good apps, it doesn't really matter. They're still apps and it's still very distracting. Basically the tip there is to plan in advance or borrow a friend's phone to call your mom real quick or borrow a teacher's phone or go to the front desk and ask them. So along with this question is the question of school sports. So what are we going to do when we have our kids signed up in activities? Because Melanie, you know, you told me to get my kids signed up in extracurricular activities. You you gave me the science on this. There's so much science on this. It's so fabulous. If you're feeling guilty about your kids signing up for too many activities, don't feel guilty anymore after today, after you listen to this podcast. Um, just my little side commercial for extracurricular activities. Science is very clear. The research studies are so well researched on the fact that kids who have at least two extracurricular activities for two years in a row during high school, the same activity for two years in a row to show some progress there um, that are adult-led activities. They do better in many measures of their future academic success as well as their life success. It is really important for your kids to get involved in clubs and sports and um, hobbies and different things that involve other adults teaching them things that are occurring on a regular basis where they're meeting with other groups of peers and where they're actually seeing some progress. So, so what are we going to do now? We've got our kids signed up from, for some wonderful things, music lessons, sports, soccer, baseball, all these things are great. But now Melanie, you told us to do this, but now, uh, last week it was raining and my son was stuck at the baseball field because he couldn't call me and all his friends could call me and he was really embarrassed because he didn't have a phone. And there's all this stuff that people talk about how they need a phone for sports or, or how about my kid can't even sign up because they need to scan a QR code or they have to go on a group me. We have to have a smartphone because my kids need a group me. Well, all right, let me just cover, let me just tackle a, a few of these concerns. First of all, any school out there, any middle school or high school, if they have a sports program, signing up with a QR code cannot be the only way to sign up. So yes, is it convenient? Does it exist? Sure, it's convenient and it does exist, but that doesn't mean that's the only way. And by the way, just because something is convenient doesn't mean that that's why we need a phone. That's not the way we parent. We don't parent because something is convenient. We parent because it's the right thing to do. Just a little reminder there. Um, so there are other ways for your kids to sign up. The second thing about the group me's group me can be accessed on your child's laptop. So if they have a laptop, 
they can get to the group me. They don't have to be feeling left out of the group me. They can get to the group me. A lot of parents don't know this. Um, a recent meeting I did two weeks ago at a school, the parent was completely convinced that their child could not get the group me's without a smartphone. I'm like, no, 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 no. They can get them on their laptop. That was such a wonderful piece of information for her um, because she decided not to give her, her daughter a smartphone. And now she is feeling so much better that her daughter can still get to the group me's on the laptops. And this is true because my kids do it every day. They don't have a smartphone. My high school kids do not have a smartphone. They get everything they need on their laptop. They they're included just fine. And they know what is happening with the different sports at our school. The rule is the coaches are not allowed to text a child separately. So they always have to use an app that a parent can access on their phone, or like I said, the child can access on the laptop. So these are, these are not reasons to have smartphones. It is very, very possible to be in a sport and not have a smartphone. Now, I do know that there are certain things that happen spur of the moment, like a practice cancellation or whatnot, and your child may not have that laptop right in front of them. At that point, what will happen is they will have friends that will text them and say, hey, Andrew, by the way, practice was canceled. But you know what? We've been in sports, three different sports every year, and this has really never happened. It's like, it's kind of like one of these myths and things that we worry about that we really shouldn't be worried about when they're at school. Uh, during the, you know, different classes and something is going on with, with cross country, they're, they're talking to each other about it. They know, oh, we're, we're going to this field instead of this field today. So, and they check their laptops, you know, again, on a side note here, I think there's a lot of kids out there that um, are big gamers and they're big, um, they're big on their social media, but they, they absolutely don't even know what an email is. I am not kidding. It, it is so weird to me how, we're so worried about our kids learning all this technology. And there are many, many kids, many older teens, many high school teens that just don't really pay attention to their email and they're not really um, responsible when it comes to that. And I think those are the life skills that we need to teach them first. So by not having all the apps, by not having a smartphone, by not having all this instant uh, connection on that smartphone, they are learning to depend on their email. And this is when you, uh, when your kids are going to graduate and get out in the real world and get a real job, they're going to need to know how to manage email. And I think it's a shame that our kids aren't learning that because, you know, everything is now um, expected to be done on a smartphone. As far as signing up for sports, that should easily be done at the school. You just call the school and say, Hey, my child wants to sign up for tennis. You know, do I have to have a QR code? Can you just give me the link so I can go? Um, and, and sign up. I think that's easy. So don't feel defeated with this and don't give in. Don't give your child a smartphone just because they're in a sport. It's a really bad idea. It's not necessary. There are many, many workarounds that are very, very simple. So let's jump in quickly. Okay. The last, the last thing here, I'm going through my list. I have so many questions and I can't take them all today, but I will tell you that I'm so excited that Dr. Stacy and I are going to be doing some live Q and A's in our connect forum in our private forum. That's going to be opening super, super soon. And so we're going to be actually able to answer many more questions on that forum. But let me just tackle this last one today. 
This one is so good. Okay. So I'm going to read you this question. Um, This parent says, I'm curious how you all respond to comments and questions from people when they ask, how will you teach your child how to properly manage a phone and the risk or awkward social situations if you don't let them have one while they're still under your roof? I know many of y'all have this question and we have talked about this before, but it's worth going over just for a few minutes again right now. It is such a great question. The answer is, it's the same reason why we don't teach them to manage alcohol or drugs when they're teenagers by letting them drink it, even under our roof. And when parents say under our roof, it means before the age of 18, when they're still living in your home. So the reason why we don't have to teach our kids how to manage a phone and all the awkward stuff that happens on their phone and all the inappropriate content on their phone is the same reason why we don't have to teach them how to manage alcohol by giving them alcohol. We don't teach our kids how to manage drugs by giving them drugs. We have conversations about this. Just like in our home, we have conversations about social media, but we don't have to practice social media in order to learn about social media any more than we have to practice drinking alcohol every night with our kids in order to teach them the problems with alcohol and the addictions that that habit can lead to. This is really kind of a mind stretch for a lot of people. Because we assume that we have to teach them how to do these things while they're under their roof. And I have yet to talk to a parent who is doing this, who can actually articulate how this works. I ask all the time. I ask parents all the time and I'm not judging them. It sounds good. It sounds like a good thing. Oh, I need to teach them how to do this under my roof. What you're really saying What you're really saying is I need to teach my kids values. I need to teach them discernment. I need to teach them wisdom. I need to teach them how to handle these situations. And I agree wholeheartedly with that. I absolutely agree with that. But we don't teach them about drugs and and how not to use drugs by getting all the paraphernalia in our house and teach them how to roll joints every night. That's not how you teach them. You can teach them all about social media and all about the issues that are out there and all about your values without using the addictive platform. And again, I know this is, it's such a, it's such a myth. I, I completely see how this trips up so many parents. I was so tripped up by this when our oldest was getting so immersed in the video games. I just kept thinking, well, I have to let him play because I have to teach him how to balance this. But you can't teach him how to balance video games while they're playing video games. You cannot teach your child not to use social media while they're on physically on social media. It doesn't make any sense. And so my heart goes out to you asking this question. Again, the question is, how will you teach your child how to properly manage a phone if you don't let them have one while it's under your roof. So the way that you do this is you teach them 
how to manage other things in their life. The best way to teach your child how to manage a phone and how to manage social media is by not giving it to them, by teaching them how to manage other things in their life, like their schedule, like their laundry, like all the life skills, like their homework, like all these things. They have to learn how to manage their time, how to get things done, how to manage temptations. We don't teach kids how to manage temptations by giving them temptations. By the way, science is so crystal clear on this. The people who are best at willpower, the people who are best at staying away from temptations and having discipline are the people who know how to stay away from the triggers and stay away from the object itself. So just, you've heard me say this before, if we are trying to keep our kids from eating donuts every day, then we don't put a plate of donuts in front of them every day. That is not the way that we teach our kids not to eat donuts. If we put them out on the table, they will disappear. You might kid have your child not eat the donuts for an hour. Discipline can be done for a very short period of time, like an hour. <laughs> you can say for the next hour, I don't want you to eat donuts. And they might not eat the donuts, but you know, an hour and one minute later, they're going to be eating the donuts because we know that the shelf life on our willpower is pretty short. It expires pretty quickly. So the reason why we cannot teach our kids how to properly manage a phone while using a phone is because of their age. What we are doing as a culture and as a society is we are asking our teenagers and our young children to be adults and to have an adult functioning brain. They do not. They will not ever, a 14-year-old will never have an adult brain. A 15-year-old will never have an adult brain. A 16-year-old will never have an adult brain. It's just impossible. So that's why you can't teach them these certain things about managing this while it's in their hands. Now, can you certainly talk about it all the time? Of course you can. You can talk about, I mean, there's every day, there's a story in the news about something about social media and something about something that has some kind of relation to technology. There's, there's always stuff to talk about and you can absolutely prepare your child to understand these temptations without giving in and physically giving them the temptation. I hope that is making sense. I hope that this is coming across right because I'm trying, I'm trying to ex explain it. So again, I just want to reiterate that no parent has ever been able to tell me how they've been able to actually teach a child to manage a screen under the roof. Like, what does this mean? What does this mean? You, 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 we, we, we say it and it sounds so good, but it, what, is, what does it mean we sit with them and we watch pornography with them on their phone? No, of course that's not what that means. Some parents think, well, I don't mind my kid running into all these things on their, on their phone because it gives me now opportunity to have conversations. Well, I promise you that you can actually talk about hard topics without having your child having to get burned by them on their phone first. You can bring up these topics and have them openly discuss it your, your table or your, your dinner table or whatever, but your, your child doesn't have to experience all the bad things in order to have conversations about them. So you're going to teach your children a lot of things while they're under 
your roof. And they're going to see by the culture that you set in your home and by, of course, your example and by the things that you deem important. And when you give your child a smartphone, you are letting them know that that is a really important thing. And that is a value um, in your home that you that, that you value. And we don't value social media in our home as an entertainment activity. We value social media as a business tool and all that is fine, but we don't value it as an entertainment activity. So that's why our kids don't have it. Cause we know right now that that's what kids use it for. When your child becomes an adult and when they are then given a phone, a smartphone and all the things that come with it, they will know exactly how to manage it because you have taught them how to manage things. You have taught them how to manage their laundry and their car and their room and how to cook and how to do all these other life skills and how to manage relationships and how to manage hard things and how to manage awkward things. And none of us, none of us, none of, none of y'all listening today, all the adults that are listening today, when we got our first smartphone, no one had to tell us, oh, whatever you do, don't take your shirt off and take naked pictures of yourself. No one had to teach us this. We learned all of those principles when we were growing up from our parents. We didn't have to be taught this. So please understand that when your child does get access to social media and when they get a smartphone later, and we believe it should be after 18, when they get a smartphone later, they will know how to use it. They, Their brain, even though it won't be fully connected till they're in their mid to late 20s, they will have some common sense of course, and they will have some wisdom. They won't have perfect wisdom at that point, but they will not act like a 12-year-old when they're 18. They will know. So please don't be fearful of this. Don't be fearful that they're not going to know. Do not panic that they all of a sudden will be handed a smartphone when they're 18 and that area of their brain will just be erased. If you build that area of their brain where they can learn how to properly manage things, things that are hard, things that are easy, it doesn't matter, where they learn how to properly manage things, when you can teach them while they're under your roof about your values, when you can teach them about things that are important, that part of their brain is still going to be there. And then they'll get a phone and it will be like, oh, okay, well, this is pretty easy. I'm going to manage this the way my mom and dad taught me how to manage relationships in real life and how to manage temptations in real life and how to manage things that I'm wanting to be distracted by. They will know, trust me, that part of their brain will be developed and they will know just like you knew, just like I knew when we got a smartphone, we knew how to stay away from some of these temptations. Now, even today there are adults and as technology gets harder and harder and harder to manage, Trust me, it gets harder. Um, the algorithms, everything is harder. But your child does not get better at managing temptations by living in the temptation. And especially when they're young, especially when their brain is not fully developed yet, it does way more harm than good. And not only does it do way more harm than good, but it makes them feel terrible. And it makes you feel defeated as a parent to hand over a device that your child cannot manage, that you cannot possibly teach them to manage when they're 12 or 14 or even 16. 
And this idea of letting them make all these mistakes under your roof is something we need to revisit and something you just need to think about a little bit. It's not that we want our kids to be perfect. It's not that they're going to make mistakes, but we do kind of get to pick some of the mistakes that they make. And you do this in other areas of your parenting. You do not give your 14-year-old the keys to the car. You know that if you do and you put him on the highway, he's probably going to have a wreck. So there are certain things in life that we just have to say, buddy, you got to wait. You just got to wait till your brain's a little more connected and we've had more time to work on some basics. And if you were the coach on a sports team, you would do the same exact thing. With every sport, there is a progression. There is a time and there is a season. You do not have young kids do certain things in probably just about every sport. I think about gymnastics and I think even about dance and ballet and baseball. And there's all sorts of things that can be applied here that there is a progression just, just because phones exist today doesn't mean that if we give them to our 12 year old kid, that we can teach them how to all of a sudden be wise. We will never be able to change child development, no matter what we think and no matter what big tech is telling us to do, we just can't change child development and we're not going to be scared of it. So to sum it all up, oh, I got to run, but to sum it all up, we are not operating out of fear over here at Screen Strong. We are giving you the facts. We are giving you so much to sink your teeth into over here. And we are giving you so much encouragement to stay the course. So get the facts, get rid of all this fear and be free from the stress and anxiety of managing screens that are just way too big for your kids right now. Fill their life with purpose, purposeful activities and meaningful activities, and they will be healthy. And then they will grow to learn how to manage all this when they are more equipped, when they are older. I want to encourage you by saying that interactive entertainment screen time that most of our kids want to do, video games and social media and all the ugly content that's out there is a big waste of time. It is a waste of talent and it will likely make your kids sick. It certainly will not help them be their best person and it will not help them reach all the potential that they have during these years, these short years that they are under our roof to learn from us, to watch our example, and for us to just unconditionally love them through all these stages. This is a very serious issue. Doesn't mean we need to be scared of it, but it does mean that you don't let your peers try to convince you otherwise. So I just want to encourage you, you're doing the right thing. You're on the right track. You found your village. We are right here with you and we're going to help you along the way. We will always be here to help you along the way. You will not be alone in this journey. I'm so excited to be able to share these things with you today. And I really hope that you enjoyed listening. If you have any other questions that you want me to cover on the podcast, please email them to me at melanie at screenstrong.com. Of course, put them in our Facebook group as well and in our new private forum that's coming up. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you figure it all out. So until next time, 
stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd, and stay strong. Thank you.